Hello dealers, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for joining us. This is the Rural Lifestyle Dealer Podcast. In this episode, we talk with David James of the law firm Nyland Johnson & Lewis about what you can do if an employee complains about your dealership on social media. James talks through what rights the employee has under the National Labor Relations Act and in what instances you can take action on disparaging comments on social media or wherever the comments occur. Join in the discussion to learn more. That's the kind of classic tension that we're dealing with here is employees do have certain rights to make statements and talk to other employees or about other employees and in in regard to the terms and conditions of employment, things like wages and benefits and safety. And so employees do have the right under the uh, National Labor Relations Act to engage in that sort of discussion, whether on social media or otherwise. Conversely, uh, employers certainly have an interest in protecting uh, their brand and ha- have a fair expectation that employees are not leaving the workplace and uh, trashing the business reputation of their employer. And, and the reason, while that's not limited to social media, obviously social media has given uh, employees a greater outlet to reach more, more people, including possible uh, customers. And so this issue, while it has always existed, has sort of heightened in the social media era here where uh, an employee is in a a stronger position to really cause damage to an organization's reputation by uh, publicizing harsh information about the organization broadly. And so when does the employee cross the line where an uh, employer might have, you know, some grounds to um, either, you know, fire them or discipline them? At what point does it does that line be crossed? Yeah, good question. So you might say that there are there are kind of two requirements for an employee's uh, speech in this area to be protected. One, as I just alluded to, the statements that an employee makes in order to be protected must pertain to the terms and conditions of employment. So again, they should be related to uh, wages, benefits, safety, those sorts of issues. And that provides legal protection um, for employees. If they're talking about things that are unrelated to uh, the terms and conditions of employment, then uh, they generally are not going to be protected and employers have the right, sort of an unfettered right, to take action against an employee such as discipline or termination based on that sort of communication. The second component of this is that even if an employee is talking about the terms and conditions of employment, it's possible that an employee's statements could be um, so outrageous, so offensive, so rude, possibly even violent. The statements or comments can lose the protection, lose what would otherwise be protected as protected speech regarding the terms and conditions of employment. So even if the substance of the communication is, is fair game for protection, if an employee is outrageous, offensive, and possibly even violent or threatening violence with the language used on social media or otherwise, that that sort of language um, could render what would normally be protected speech um, into an un- unprotected territory. So when you ask, you know, when does it cross the line? I think that the, the two um, key components are really this idea that the, the, the substance must relate to the terms and conditions of employment and the, the, the comments, while there's some liberty about what, what's said at some point, if they're sufficiently vulgar, offensive, or, or threatening violence, um, they may lose that protection. One other thing I should mention is that 
it's also not enough for an employee to raise concerns about the terms and conditions of employment that only applies to that individual. Really what the National Labor Relations Act protects is what's called concerted activity. And concerted activity is when one or more people are speaking on behalf of a group. And so if an employee is saying, you know, goes on social media and says, you know, this is BS, I didn't get a raise, uh, my company is cheap then that probably is not protected conduct, protected speech, even though it relates to the terms and conditions of employment, because uh, it relates it solely to that individual, and so it's an individual gripe. It's not, uh, collect it's not concerted activity because it doesn't relate to uh, a group of employees. Conversely, if that employee um, said that, you know, this is BS, the company only gave 1% raises this year, you know, how are we supposed to feed our families? Now the employee, I think more arguably, is protected in the sense that uh, he or she is raising an issue that relates to the entire workforce. And if, for example, that employee had talked to others and they were all expressing their disdain for the 1% merit increases across the board, and that's what led to this communication, then I think it's, it's probably going to be considered concerted activity and, and because it's on, on behalf of not just that individual, but it's a, a group complaint. And so whether you think of that as a separate requirement or not, I guess it could be a third. So again, the, the, to be protected, the speech needs to relate to the terms and conditions of employment. That's that point that I just made is, is it also needs to be constitute concerted activity. So it represents the, the concerns of not just an individual, but of, of a group. And third, at some point, it can be so vulgar and offensive that even if it's otherwise protected, it might lose that protection and, and be subject to discipline or termination. So when we talk about where, where the line is crossed, it's when we're, we're op, op, when we're operating outside of those barriers of protection. And I know there's a, a lot of gray area in there as well. And uh, two, two things Absolutely. come to mind. So, uh, so what if the person is commenting and it falls within a, a protected area but it's not mm -hmm. true. Does the truth have anything to do with protection? That's a good question. I mean, I think um, I think at some point that a statement that that is an entirely bad faith would not would not have that sort of protection. So, for example, if the if an employee said we all got one percent raises across the board, you know, you really shouldn't patronize my company, and that's just not true. That it was actually a three percent raise, and someone's. At that point, they're not really speak, they're not really engaging in protected activity because they're not they're not actually trying to solve a problem um, through group mm -hmm. group discussion or group activity. They're, they're at that point. I think one could argue that their intention is really just to harm the organization, and that's not sufficient. The idea of the National Labor Relations Act is it protects employees' right to talk amongst themselves and consider group activity. You know, in the in the labor context, that often means organizing as a union and thinking about things like strikes or picketing. But even in the non-union non -union context, those employees at least still have the right to have those conversations among each other and solicit grievances to, to the organization. But if that grievance is entirely false and fabricated, I think it's, it's very likely that it would not be protected in that scenario, even if in theory, in a vacuum, relates to the terms and conditions of employment. And then with social media, there's, you know, the public and, and the private. Does it make any difference in terms of, you know, whether the post was public or, the, or the, the person was just talking to their own friends and didn't intend for it to be a widespread message? 
Yeah, one might think that there would be a distinction. It's, an, it's a good question, and, and I can appreciate why you, you might think there is, but unfortunately, the law really hasn't created a distinction between the two. So if, for example, someone uses a private Facebook page and, uh, and they have this back and forth conversation with maybe their, their Facebook friends with a bunch of their coworkers, and they engage in some of this conversation back and forth frustration around annual merit increases, for example, that would, that would be protected. And if that, if that Facebook page now is public, um, doesn't, doesn't have, uh, you know, security features or what have you so that anybody can view it, it really wouldn't change the analysis. Um, and that's part of the frustration for employers, of course, is that these conversations that seem like to the extent they need to occur ought to occur privately are now occurring publicly on, on you know, Facebook or Twitter or what have you. And, uh, and the law hasn't really caught up to that and made a distinction between public or private uh, conversations. So far, David James of Nyland Johnson & Lewis says that an employee's speech is protected if they are talking about things that relate to terms and conditions of employment as it relates to a group. The legal term for that is concerted activity. However, employees may lose that protection if the comments are outrageous, offensive, or threatening, for example. James also says that the law, as it's currently written, does not provide a distinction between public and private posts on social media. Next up, James talks about employee handbooks and social media policies and also provides some real-world scenarios. The protected and unprotected scenarios that you outlined, you know, dealer um, probably isn't familiar with all those, you know, that language, and, and certainly the employees aren't. So is there something, is there some language that, that employers are now adding to employment contracts to, you know, to address some of these issues, you know, before it happens? Well, I think it's more common today that employee handbooks specify, have a policy that employees need to be clear when they speak on social media that they're not speaking on behalf of the company, that they don't have the authority to speak on behalf of the company, so that when they're speaking, they're speaking in their, their private capacity and not on behalf of, of management or the organization. And, uh, and so employees shouldn't be representing that they, they are offering the company line and uh, and so I you know I think that there increasingly there are handbook policies that that address that that particular issue. But beyond that, this this isn't the sort of uh, issue that can be resolved easily through a handbook policy. You know, sort of limiting employees' rights in this regard. Their rights under the National Labor Relations Act would would trump any sort of handbook policy that might otherwise prevent this sort of discussion. So, an employer you know, we'll be facing maybe an uphill battle with uh, if there, you know, is some of this uh, post out there, language out there. And, you know, if, a, if an employer is, is seeing some of this stuff happening, are there steps that they should take? Like, for instance, should they, you know, maybe have some warnings before they go right to, you know, some kind of, you know, official capacity litigation or something like that? Or are there any kind of steps that should an employee should, employer should be taking to address those? Yeah, I think what we talked about in the presentation and, and I think is the, the number one thing that an employer should do is is really think about whether the the, the, the speech um, that, that's at issue really meets all those requirements that we talked about, that it relates to the terms and conditions of employment, that it seems to be concerted activity, you know, on behalf of a group, um, and that it's not outrageous. And, and oftentimes, as, as I've reviewed these cases, um, that, that get litigated in this area, 
um, there's a com there might be a component of the speech that is protected, but there are other components of the speech um, that are unprotected. And so, um, you know, the number one thing that an employer can do is try to ferret out the two of them. And if if the employer is interested in if issuing a warning or or thinking about you know discipline or even termination, to to be very clear that we're that the basis for the action is that unprotected component of the speech as opposed to the protected component of the speech. And in the presentation, as you might have caught, I offered a, 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 an example of this from a BMW dealership where an employee had multiple social media posts that the employer thought, was, thought were inappropriate. And the National Labor Relations Board ultimately concluded that one of the posts was protected, but the other post was not protected. But because the employer couldn't demonstrate that it took action solely based on the unprotected post, that it was obligated, uh, it, it lost the matter and was obligated to reinstate the employee and pay back pay. Whereas if the employer from the front, on the front end of it had gone through this analysis, identified the unprotected post and taken action solely on that basis, then it, it, it would have been justified in its action. So it's, it's often the case that a social media post or a group of posts are not entirely protected. And if an employer actually digs into this and um, ferrets out the protected from the unprotected components and takes action solely on the unprotected components, uh, then, the, then any sort of action, whether it's a warning or termination, will be much more likely to be upheld. While this issue is, has been brought more to light because of social media, and I, I think it is worth re reiterating that, that these issues are not limited to social media. So they're arising more frequently because of social media, and em employers are, are sensing this tension between an employee who might be engaging in protected activity against an employer that wants to uh, take action against that employee for, for speaking poorly about it. But it, it's still equally true outside the social media context. And there was one example that I offered in the presentation that you might have caught where um, there is uh, an employee went to his manager's office and really lashed out at his manager. And the company wanted to take action against the employee um, because his the way he he conducted himself in that meeting, pushing a chair and yelling and standing up in an aggressive way and all that. You know, the employer said, we're not going to tolerate this and you don't get to berate your manager. But ultimately, the National Labor Relations Board decided that, that the, the conduct wasn't sufficiently outrageous to deem it unprotected. And the purpose, the, what the employee was screaming about, did pertain to the terms and conditions of employment. Um, as I recall, it was a uh, commission plan that, and, and the employee was speaking on behalf of a group um, who had been talking about that commission plan and decided that it was unfair. And so, so it's just an example that the old school example that, that companies often had in this area was that hothead employee scenario and employees ticked off mm -hmm. about their performance review and employees ticked off about the commission policy or didn't get a raise that they thought they were earned, storms into the manager's office, you know, berates the manager. These sorts of principles that we're talking about in the social media context do apply in that scenario as well. And so, so I think it's, it's helpful to tie back the fact that while the social media component of this is new, the, the general concept of these, this, this tension between management taking action and employees having the right to speak up um, has always been out there and does continue to exist outside the context of social media.
Thanks to David James of the law firm Nyland Johnson Lewis for talking through when an employer has the legal right to take action regarding disparaging comments from an employee. James says the situation of employee-employer rights regarding speech has been heightened in the social media era where employees are in a stronger position to really cause damage to an organization's reputation. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. Our podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. And if you're not yet a subscriber to our digital content, head on over to RuralLifestyleDealer.com and join our community. From all of us, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening. <music>